Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Out there sometimes leads to breakdown of trust. Um, people in leadership positions abusing that power. And really, we want leadership that is faithful and fruitful. Um, so, last few weeks, I think we focused on mission and purpose, excellence and kindness. And today, we're looking at discipline. And that word may provoke a number of thoughts in your head at this moment. You might be thinking, oh, what, do you, what can you mean by discipline? It could be, for some, discipline is seen as punishment. You can imagine an old school head teacher. I'm thinking Miss Trunchbull from the Matilda book who'd be like, oh, that child must be disciplined. Really, what they mean by that is that child must be punished. And, but we're not looking at it in terms of that today. You may be thinking of it in terms of correction, that process where, of making something right. And in the book of Hebrews, it says, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. That meaning is biblical. God does correct us. He does it lovingly. He's a loving father. As Lucy said, he, he is love. It's out of love that he does that. But again, that's not the meaning we're going to focus on today. We're going to focus on the meaning of seeing discipline as training. So discipline as training. And I would say that discipline as training for the world, that is a Marmite issue. Some people love it and some people hate it. Um, those who love it, love it because they see discipline as a means to achieve something they put too much value in. So if you think of someone suffering from anorexia, because of a distorted view of what beauty or attractiveness is, they will be incredibly disciplined to obtain being really thin. Or you think of someone who's put too much value in work, but for them work is everything, they'll be very disciplined in working all the hours they can, getting up early, returning late, because for them, it's all about climbing that career ladder. But there's also those who hate it, and those hate it because they struggle to be disciplined. It's maybe they don't feel it's in their nature, and for them, it's like an unattainable goal. Or those who hate it because it's, for them, it's just not reconcilable with their approach to life. They're like, oh, I'm just a free spirit, that kind of mentality. But what's true in the world is true for the church as well. I'd say for the church, it's a Marmite issue. Some people love it. Um, some people hate it. Some people hate it kind of because they view discipline as a barrier to grace, actually. For them, it's legalism. It's a work-based approach to earning your salvation. Um, and, but some people love it, but I wouldn't say for all those who love it, it's because they love it for the right reason. Some people's identity can be tied up with being a spiritually disciplined person. What I hope to do today is um, convince you that there can be a healthy Christian approach to discipline, and not only is it possible, actually it's necessary. Uh, We're going to focus on a few verses from 1 Timothy, and and written by the Apostle Paul. 1 Timothy is part of a group of books that are often called the pastoral letters. But I've actually heard one preacher, one teacher, refer to them as... Paul's leadership letters, and you can see why when you go through 1 Timothy, it's absolutely packed full of leadership advice. And we're going to um, look at a few verses from chapter 4, um, verses 7 to 10, and it will also appear up on the um, screen as well. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, 
But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labour and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the saviour of all people, and especially of those who believe. Let's just pray quickly. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you that um, we can come to you and know that you are for us, and we can come to you and know that you love us. And I pray that um, as we spend this time kind of thinking about um, biblical discipline and meditating on your word, that our hearts will be receptive to your voice. As always, Lord, we we come wanting to be made more like your son. Um, So you do that this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, yeah, right at the start, it's important to remind ourselves that God loves us. He is for us. He sent his son because he loves us. And Jesus came so we can have life and have it to the full. And it's really important to remember that. And discipline should be training yourself to be godly, should be seen in that context that God is for you. And actually, it's a response to that love. Um, The start of verse 7 says, "...have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales." And right at the start, if we're training ourselves to be godly, um, sometimes the first step is to, you need to reject some stuff. Um, the main reason Paul is writing this letter is actually he's trying to address some kind of false teaching within the church and encourage Timothy. And part of it is he's just saying, have nothing to do with that stuff. You need to reject it. One of the reasons I love Beacon is because um, people want to live out their faith in kind of challenging circumstances in their workplaces, bring Christianity to bear on those situations. And it's, it's wonderful. And there, but there is always that challenge when you kind of you want to shape the culture, you want to bring Christianity into it, but you kind of sometimes think, how much is it shaping me? I'm trying to engage, but is it shaping me too much? You're left with that question. There's so much in the world that we should embrace. Remembering that God's creation is good. I remember Phil a couple of weeks ago said, God's creation is excellent, actually. There's so much to engage with and to embrace. But sometimes we're left with that question of, am I embracing some things I should reject, actually? Um, And discernment is essential, but how do we exercise it? You may have had that experience of having gone to the shops and you've quickly, you've paid for something, um, you collected your change and you've just rushed off. And then later, when you've got home, you've looked in your wallet or your purse and you take out some, one of the notes and you're like, ah, this doesn't look quite right. Some of the, you're not sure about some of the change you've been given. And you kind of think to yourself, some counterfeit notes, they're so obviously fake that you know immediately, oh, that's wrong, oh no, I've been had in this way. But sometimes you're a little bit unsure. And I imagine in that situation, one of the things you'd possibly do would, you'd take the the note that you're not sure about and you'd hold it up to one that you are certain is real. And you'd hold it to one you know is genuine and you'd be comparing, kind of think, okay, I know this one is genuine, this one doesn't quite look right. And actually, as we're kind of trying to engage with the world, kind of bring God's kingdom... Actually, we need to hold on to what is genuine, actually. When you're not sure about, is this something I should embrace or reject? Actually, hold what you know is true. Know your Bible. Read it. Compare it. Um, Compare it to that. Um, When I was in my 20s, I kind of moved away from my faith when I was in my teenage years and kind of came back in my 20s. I really remember coming to the Bible 
And I had no idea about it. I just hadn't learned for even growing up in church, Christian family, being a church for many years, I hadn't grown up with a kind of personal devotional time. And I remember in my 20s, I was thinking, I know not, I don't, I don't understand it. There's so much I don't understand it. But just step by step, actually, I just kind of broke through that and just tried to read little bits and little bits. And actually, my testimony is, over the years, it has just done me good reading the Bible. It's just done me good, and it's helped me, it's shaped me, and it's allowed me to kind of confront all those kind of challenges and pressures in the world and be able to go, oh, thank you for the word, Lord. And what is also really important is our faith. It's precious to have a personal faith. It says in Hebrews, don't um, give up on the habit of meeting together, actually. And personal faith is precious, but our faith is worked out in a community of believers, actually. We come to church, we spend time together, because that can be one of the things that is so helpful to help us in kind of thinking, actually, how do I engage with the world that's around us? Now, it's brightened up a little bit, but I think as you've noticed, it's, it's all of a sudden got really, really cold. It seems that the weather has changed in, like, the past week, and... Um, because of that, it may seem like a distant memory this summer, the heat wave and everything. And it may be a distant memory to remember that England actually got to the semi-final of a World Cup. It's absolutely incredible. Um, it's, it's, it did actually happen. You can believe it. I'd say there's many highlights. I know Ruth's thinking about the final and everything about it, but we'll just ignore that for the moment. Um, but there's so many um, amazing moments. But actually, probably the highlight was the, the penalty shootout victory against Colombia, mainly because traditionally England have been so terrible at penalties. Um, I think you can roughly work out the age of an England fan by how much penalty shootout heartache they have experienced. So if you remember way back in 1990, Italy, Chris Waddle, Stuart Pearce, you were at least in your mid to late 30s, if you remember that, and you can work it out that way. Um, and because, we have been, because England has been so terrible at penalties over the years, every major tournament is met with the same debate and the same question is put to the manager, put to the players, are you going to practice penalties? Always the way. And actually, there's a, many people think, and many people say at that point, they go, there's no point practicing. Absolutely no point. And their reasoning is that in training, you can't recreate that unique pressure of all the fans, um, thinking of that kind of um, that situation where you really want to get to the next round and win the match. They say, it's no point. If you cannot recreate the pressure, there's absolutely no point. Well, this morning, I think some of you maybe went to communion, may have been wondering about it. We're going to have a go at trying to recreate that pressure. So... Um, we have our goal um, over here, um, and I'm aware it's not full size, so we're not going to have a, um, a, a proper goalie. I'm going to have a goalie that doesn't move, and I have our ball. Now, I have these ideas, and I'm having to do a quick risk assessment of where it's going to be. I think it may be best at the back, and actually, I knew I needed to go to someone full of faith, someone who's confident in the Lord. And can everyone give a round of applause to Val, who offered to volunteer <laughs> during the week? So if you just bear with us one moment, I'll get this set up at the back. Um, actually, if you've got babies, it might be good to move. Um, okay, the goalie is in position. Um, roughly, oh, a bit further back, Val. We don't have to go. Now... 
So there's lots to um, consider here. Obviously, imagine how it was for Eric Dyer. Um, in that moment, he's thinking, big crowd. He's thinking, oh, the, oh, wait, wait a moment. He's thinking the adulation if he scores, the criticism if he doesn't. And so all those things are going around his mind. Um, also, actually, if you're new to Beacon, I really want to assure you we're kind of, we're family, we love each other, we want the best for each other. I say that because in a moment it might not quite look that way. So, obviously you've got the crowd there, so we're going to divide ourselves in half. So if you're on this side of the hall, you're for Val. You really want him to score, yeah? Um, this side, um, not so much. So maybe, uh, don't want a bit of boo, but keep... Keep it clean, Stella, please. <laughs> bit of booing. So, oh, I've left my whistle. But if someone can maybe... So let's get the cheering a bit of booing. I want to say something before I play the baby. My wife promised to cook something for me. So now, <laughs> if I miss, honey, this doesn't count. Do you want one more, girl? One more. One more. There's grace in church. Can we have a round of applause for that? Not just for scoring, but being for great sports. Uh, <laughs> Now, there was a point to all this. I just have to remind myself. Uh, the England manager, oh, thank the Lord for Gareth Southgate. He was very perceptive before the World Cup. So being asked that question, he recognised what, really, what a penalty shootout comes down to. He recognised the crux of it is performing a skill under pressure. And actually, if you're into football, he spoke a lot about owning the process and kind of having different type of, types of penalties. And so he knew that even though, I think it was a pressurised moment, surprisingly so for Val, but probably not quite as, it, as much for, as it was for Eric Dyer. But Gareth Southgate knew that even though he couldn't fully recreate the pressure in training, you could still prepare for it. And they did some things to prepare for that moment. And hallelujah, we were successful for once. Uh, I think most people recognise that at some point in their lives, um, pressure's going to come. And it may not always be possible to know what that pressure is going to be, and what exactly it will feel like in that moment, but you can still prepare for it. Worship, prayer, reading the Bible, being community, means that when pressure comes, we don't crack, actually. We can withstand it. Are we going to be like the man who builds his house on the sand or the man who built his house on the rock? If we train ourselves to be godly, when we train ourselves to be godly, actually, really, one of the things we're doing is we're preparing ourselves for pressure. And we can have a firm foundation, we can withstand the storm. Um, but I'd say it even goes further than that, that actually, um, it's not just about surviving pressure, but you can even thrive when pressure comes. Now, I'm not sure how you feel, but actually, the modern world can feel like a very pressurized place. Uh, and it can be hard to shield yourself from it. Society is grappling with a, a mental health crisis that's not just affecting adults, it's affecting children much more younger, and people are burdened by worry. And um, I think Garth posted the next thing on the Beacon Lads um, WhatsApp group a while ago. I forget to the next. 
And I think everyone loved this. Worry is a conversation you have with yourself about things you cannot change. Prayer is a conversation you have with God about things he can change. And it's one of those things you kind of, you read, and you're like, oh, why can't I never come up with anything so insightful and catchy like that? And I was reminded of that a week or so ago. We were having a discussion at work around um, GDPR, and I'm not sure if it's like a recognised medical condition now, but it sent me into a kind of a GDPR-related meltdown. And externally, you wouldn't have noticed something, but internally, my mind was racing. The internal monologue was going 100 miles an hour, and it was pure worry. I'm thinking, how am I going to keep a tidy desk? It's just not possible for me. And um, I was still worrying about it. It's embarrassing to me by the time I got home. And I remembered this and thinking, actually, God doesn't want us to worry. And I just said some short prayers to help me break the, the cycle of it. And I, I really do believe that with all the pressures that we're faced with the living, in living in this world, if you're not praying, you will worry. If you're not praying, you will worry. And actually, if we train ourselves to be godly, we'll be able to fight worry. And actually, I feel that, I mean, I think mentioned a bit when we went through that psalm um, earlier in our worship time, but actually, I think worry is something we've just, we can accept. We just, that's one of those things we just live with, actually. We're like, actually, it's natural, I'm going through this, I'm going to worry. But actually, God doesn't want that for us. Um, I like uh, superhero films. My wife, Emma, doesn't, so you can imagine what it's like when it comes to us choosing a film. Um, but probably one of the most famous superhero would be Superman. All those amazing abilities, all that he's able to do, the incredible feats, but kryptonite completely weakens him. It completely debilitates him. And um, when we worry, um, it's kind of like worry is faith's kryptonite, actually. We don't step out in faith. We don't pursue all the things that God calls us to do. Uh, and to just be clear, worrying, it's not like thinking through the pros and cons of something. It's not kind of thinking things through. That's not worry. But um, if we're gripped by worry, our faith for things drop. And actually, one of the, my favorite kind of passages in the Bible is in Philippians, when it talks about bringing your prayers and petitions to God. And actually, when you do that... Um, He's so gracious that he kind of, he gives you the peace that transcends all understanding. And that's like, you could be going through stuff, a multitude of pressures, difficult situations, but because you're, and people might be even saying to you, why aren't you worried? Why aren't you stressed? Why aren't you falling apart? But you know, because you've been praying, you get that peace of God that transcends all understanding. We can be full of faith because we are disciplined in prayer. Um, as it says in that, those verses, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for the present life. Uh, last Sunday, we had a number of words for our time of worship. One about how our identity is something we receive, not something we make for ourselves as Christians. And Hannah Williams brought a word about how we can spend much of our time kind of during the week kind of just facing on what's ahead or looking down. And actually, we're called to look up, um, looking, look to the sun, look to God, and step out into its pre his presence and his warmth and his light. And um, you sometimes get those kind of days in kind of autumn, winter, where it's sunny, but unless you're in the direct sunlight, it's not warm. If you're in the shade, it's cold. And sometimes I found myself on one of those days, I'm walking down the street, and I'm like, Oh, it's a bit chilly. And I notice I'm in the shade. Then the other side of the road 
It's bathing in sunlight. And I kind of think, why am I here? Why don't I just walk on the other side? But it's much more pleasant. And actually, um, training ourselves to be godly, being disciplined, helps us in things of God, in the kind of spiritual stuff, it helps us move from the shade into his presence. Uh, discipline in, of us, in and of itself is not the goal. Knowing God more deeply, being secure in his love, being transformed by that love, and transformed by his grace so we can be caught up in his plans and purposes, that's the goal. Discipline, if understood and correctly and used as we read in the Bible, um, um, can help us achieve that. And, you know, I said at the beginning, those people, maybe sometimes you can hear in church, I really for you kind of discipline, training yourself to be godly. When they hear that, they hear legalism. They think barrier to grace. But actually, used correctly, discipline helps you appreciate and understand God's grace in a much more profound way. And we should never forget that God is relational, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, existing in perfect relationship. And there are lots of relationships we need to invest in, um, but the most important one is our relationship with God. And the wonderful thing is, with him, in terms of his, his, his kingdom, whatever you put back in, whatever you put in, actually, you get so much more back from him. He's so gracious in that way. There's a well-known um, TED talk by, in, in education by a guy called Ken Robinson. He uses an illustration about a place called Death Valley. And one of the driest places in the world, if not the driest place, and the photo up on the screen gives you an indication of what it's like. Very little vegetation, very little signs of life. But he says apparently one time it just rained unexpectedly and things started to grow, things started to flourish unexpectedly. And he goes to make the point that actually in terms of leadership, leadership is like climate control. Um, you kind of make the right conditions. If you can make the right conditions, things actually will flourish, even if it seems like the ground is hard and everything. And as I was thinking about that in this talk, I was actually thinking that sometimes, spiritually, we can feel a bit like we're in Death Valley. Actually, spiritually, it's hard. Um, not too many signs of life, and we don't have the urge to pray, um, read the Bible, spend time in worship. Maybe we're struggling with forgiveness, and that can leave us feeling bad about ourselves, kind of think, actually, I'm a Christian. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I experiencing this? Verse 10 says, that is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. If you're struggling spiritually at the moment, don't look to yourself. Look to the Lord. Put your hope in the living God. Um, we've done that, so many of us have done that, but sometimes it's a case of doing that again, reminding yourself of that wonderful truth, and maybe taking some small steps like, Holy Spirit, I'm struggling to pray. Help me to pray. I want to read your word. Help me to worship. The Christian faith does involve some striving and, um, and work, um, but it should only be out of a place of having a hope in the living God who is our saviour. And actually, that is just a, such a wonderful reminder if you've already put your trust in Jesus, just knowing that I can come to him, my hope is in him, and anything I do is just a response to that. For those, if you're, not, you're here today and you're not a Christian, that's a bit of a challenge, that final verse, because essentially the implication is, if you're not putting your hope in Jesus, what are you putting your hope in? And I can assure you, you will be labour and striving for stuff, but what are you labour and striving for? 
So actually, Jesus came so you can put your hope in him, you can have fullness. So I think what we've been doing is, um, end of, um, uh, during the series, we've just been having a bit of time to kind of break down into groups and discuss, kind of, discuss the talk and a couple of questions. If we go to the next slide, Bill. So um, what I put up there is, um, is there an area in your life where you feel you need to replace fear with faith? Now, idea, do you think you're worrying about stuff that maybe God doesn't want you to be worried about and actually you need to be exercising more faith with? And then... Just thinking about all those, those things I've mainly talked about, prayer, worship, reading the Bible, is there, one that, is there a particular way you kind of engage with God more? Or, and is there maybe a spiritual muscle you feel, actually, I want to exercise um, a bit more? So I think we'll have some time to like break down into groups, maybe about 10 minutes discussion, and then we're finished with a song and maybe some prayer as well. Now, Owen told me this morning how we've been breaking down. but I've, So Pete and Lucy over there, Faith and Val... Martin and Maureen's, Maureen's group. So feel free to move it. If you're new, just um, um, you're visiting us, just join the group um, and um, participate in the discussion, and we'll end with a song. Okay. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.